the record, right? Cheers. Very smooth. Welcome to Off the Record, episode six of season one. Uh, with Nick and Trey, we're here talking about music production, life, creativity, the creative process, and all the tangents in between. We thrive on the tangents because it takes us into places where our mind is free to run and play, but then we always find those sweet little moments that inspire us in the mainstream creation of our, uh, our creative uh, endeavors. Something that happened today that oh, okay. is different. Trey, Trey's getting right into it. Well, I mean, I was just going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say that the, there's something different about this episode than the last few episodes. Mm-hmm. Is that we actually did work before it's we true. started recording it's instead true. of after. So we actually got a lot of shit done and it's kind of late. Yeah. We're starting a couple hours later than we normally would. None of you know that, nor need to know, nor probably need to care. But uh, instead of jumping right into the podcast today, what we did is we sat down and decided, why don't we do a little bit of work on the music? Because we are, we made our checklist of our final uh, edits for our next album, which is nearing completion. We shared a track from that a couple episodes ago, so just go check it out. But uh, made those edits, a couple of those edits. Went down many tangents during Went the Went down the tangents, which the tangents is where the magic is. Uh, but And then here we are. And now the night is almost over and we're ready to podcast. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> okay. But we actually did get a lot done, so I'm proud of us. And you should be proud of us, too. I'm proud of we're us. We're proud of us. We're proud of us. We actually did some work this time. We can actually mark off an entire new track. The first new track on our new album is is now ready to mix. Ready to final mix and s- scoot its boot right out into the world. Which is a huge deal for us. It is. Number one, done. Yeah. So the whole process with that is that we actually, like, last last week and this week... We made a goal to just listen to every single track again. We've listened to them like a billion times. But listen to every track again. We both make notes as we listen to it and then go through the list and Mm -hmm. fix everything. Um, Which has proved a a successful tactic in the past. Mm -hmm. We did that for gold. Uh, We didn't do it together we did it separately and then we came together but actually gold that album it was a quick album to make because we number one didn't really we didn't really spend too much time worrying about it because we just wanted to get all these songs out um and then number two like we i think that that process of just reviewing it a few times instead of sitting on it and tweaking forever like we've been doing with this album yeah that's a good that's a good way to get an album out quick well not polished i've heard some somebody in in town said this thing about uh i think it was around kevin raffin who's an artist in town who musician who's super talented uh 
somebody with and his brother um, Daniel Raffin. They're both super talented. What somebody was telling them that like that first time you record your track on even your like home mixer whatever that is sometimes the best re- the purest recording you will ever get because it's so raw the more you think about something the less the less raw it becomes so if you're going to re-record your album like over 5 months or 2 years or 5 years it's like the the first time will be the most em- emotive uh, and raw and pure, which is the best generally, unless you are crackly at vocals like I am. But uh, but by the last time, it's like it you've you've softened your concept in the the sound into like just what is what is loosely resembling what your idea was. The first time you record it is like the pure, like, uh, kind of, it's like an emotional explosion because it's your first idea. So, uh, yeah. So, so doing it quickly, the key, the point of that is doing it quickly is, is usually beneficial because it doesn't give you time to think about it more than you need to. And it lets it just, or overthink it. Exactly. It just lets it live. Yeah. It's like you're still in the, you're still in the explosion of the creation. Yeah. By the time you get done with it, and then it's just like here it is. Yeah. And we haven't talked about our gold album very much, no. at all. And that album was written between, like June of two thousand thirteen, and and it was released in December of two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very that, that from quick. from start to finish. That's pretty incredible. That's yeah. the most incredible uh, actually timeline that I think that we've ever to, to put that into perspective. Though some of the songs that we have on the album we're working on now got put on the back burner for that album to be made. True. So there are a few songs on the on the album we're now making that we are now coming around to to finish and make a thing, which is kind of cool. But we we kind of went into a well you 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 went into a super creative phase where you were just churning out ideas. The, the only super creative phase I've ever been had, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But that there was a lot of uh there's a lot of ideas coming from you during that time. And I was happy to ride that wave and help you I was very chisel, chisel those a little bit. And I think that overall, that album sort of um, was a nice exit for Ask You and Gray. It sort of uh, took a lot of our sounds that we had been developing. and Cultivating. Sort of culti- cultivating. Yeah. And sort of put them in a space that like is kind of like the the uh potential of of that project um it's so that kind of set us up for what we're doing now which is is a little bit different and um we progressed a little bit more from that yeah so i feel like that was a good place to to land 
yeah. with Askew and Gray. And for anybody not not aware of my situation, which nobody is really, which I, I'm okay with, but uh, that whole album was written during a period when I met a certain female and then things got hot and heavy between June. I was actually like June-ish to like beginning of August. Uh, and so this me and this female had this whole thing. Things uh, were dope. And then things went sour-ish. Only because of like complexities of, of life, you know. Not because of anything dramatic, but and then the album was was literally a lot of it's inspired by our whole relationship. And then uh, after a couple months, while we were prepping, working on the album, and I had lost that that whole relationship, kind of I lost grasp of it. It had left me. Um, it resurfaced, and the album had to pivot because the album was about. It's called Gold, and originally we were going to call it Giving Up Gold, and then she came back. So it's kind of like, that's really... And it's not like she came back, by the way. It's not like I was sitting here waiting for her to come back. But the idea of like something really special and losing it and having to deal with that mind, the mindset in your psyche of losing something that you realized was better than what you had ever had like that's really hard to deal with but then when me and this female reconnected and uh it was really special and uh then the album i don't know it kind of just pushed forward and we released it which adjusted the name to just gold because spoiler alert now we're married which is uh, nice. It's only literally five years later. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, three months after your wedding. So. Yeah. But we, and now we're married. Three months. July, August, September. Almost three months. And I was there for the whole thing. Literally, you've had to, you've had to bear witness for <laughs> my whole thing. <laughs> It was a whole thing. It was it was a whole thing. But you guys are <clears throat> We are. You are. We are. You are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that whole that whole project was super it was super not rushed. I don't want to say rushed. It was quick. It was a quick there's there was timeline. There's a lot of influx of ideas and creativity from Nick and then we we're sort of in a, as a band, we were sort of in a spot where we were kind of um, just looking to get more out there. We, we had just, I mean, I mean, twin paradox had been out for a little bit and um, we were proud of that, but we, we were excited to have new material. We were excited to work towards something new and uh, develop our sound a little bit more. Um <clears throat> And some of the, I mean, we, we did some more collaboration with Brian Brunt from Sucker for Lights on that album um, because he's a homie of ours. And it, it turned out to be some of my favorite songs we've, we've made. Um, 
as Askew and Gray, it's I don't know. I that's I, I feel like that's sort of the the pinnacle of Askew and Gray's journey. And so that that's part of the reason why I and Nick and I have decided that we're departing from Askew and Gray and we're becoming something um a little different, but it's it's kind of part of the same uh creative continuity, I guess. Yeah. Album yeah. art is uh from a friend of mine from Chicago, uh eighty, who she did some dope paintings and uh one of her paintings really stood out to us as a cool like text textury textural a textural um interesting piece um there was a bunch of pieces she showed us and we we chose that one so thank you Adi, yeah. for your hard work yeah and definitely. we appreciate the uh the vibe you helped us with that and the the, the album art for our album gold which you can find on spotify or Bandcamp or uh, we're on soundcloud or you can itunes go wherever but the album art is is kind of like a a landscape of mountains uh kind of flooded with red and gold and and then behind the the foreground is another set of mountains in black complete black and then behind that is like a sky a sky that seemingly is is just gold and the idea the the reason this connected so well with us is that like behind the mountains that you're hiking or walking the mountains whatever's behind that foreground is unknown and like that's what kind of connected with me when i i remember when we first saw this is that the idea of gold is like or or what it was supposed to be is giving up gold is that whatever's in front of you is great and you see it and it's there and when you can put your when you can put your finger on what's reality it's easy to make decisions but when you don't know what's next that's when things get really interesting and hard uh as yeah. as individuals and like the, the the art that she painted is really um i don't know it kind of like resonated with me yeah it's almost like those the black mountains in the distance are kind of daunting it's like yeah well, f- fuck i don't know if i can do that but but it, yeah, but it's so cool because it's like the foreground's lit but it's not you're not beyond it yeah but the the mid the middle area is like black like what what like you won't know till you get there yeah and it's kind of it's kind of a cool it's like kind of shrouded in mystery it, well it's all about arrival you yeah. don't know until you arrive and that's kind of a powerful uh powerful statement so thank you (laughs) (laughs) it's a it's a pretty pretty cool piece yeah you should check it out even just to look at the picture because the picture is pretty cool and that is the best logo that you designed thanks yeah we, we decided we went through this whole thing where eventually like you decide that you realize that if you're going to be something, you need to decisively develop a brand to be that thing. Mm-hmm. So we did that, and here we are changing that thing. 
<laughs> Which this is the first podcast we've actually talked about shifting. We've actually blatantly talked about shifting our our uh, group, our brand, our brand. <laughs> we it is a, it is a brand shift, but it but it is also like we're not just changing the name; we're changing the 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 entire brand. We're changing the everything. Entity. Yeah, we we don't want we don't need to be what we were. Yeah. It is, it is, act one is over. But we're not, we're, we're still influenced by what we were. Well, well, forever we will be influenced by what we were. Yeah. And, and that's what's powerful is like, as artists, a lot of people come up with bands. Like I, I can't even express how many times I've heard of like big artists that are like, yeah, we came up with this band with a stupid name and then 10 years in, they're touring still, and they're just, they hate the name, and everybody wants them to play that stupid song that, that got them big in the first year or yeah. two. It's like, that's that happens all the time. It's like, we're, we're deciding our own story, and act one for me and Trey in this band was Ask You and Gray. And we, we released three albums, right? Mm-hmm. Three, three, three formal albums. We had one, pr- one album before that we didn't release the formally. EP. The REP. <laughs> we should um, talk about that because that was a funny REP. That was a yeah. funny. The EP was adventure. dope. It, I, there are still people out there. You might be one of them that have the EP. We made. I think we made, ended up making two hundred copies. Yep. Just total. regular discs with white, a white label, nothing mm-hmm. on it. CD CDRs. Yeah. We we took CDRs. We I stood in this is back when like dude, this is back when writing CDs, you had to have a CD you your computer like kind of could do CDRs. Yeah. But but most we not everybody had that. So it's like I went into this the cafe where I had access to this cdr like stereo thing and i stood there i was there for like two hours put had the disc in the the master yeah and then was putting in a disc i think it would do four at a time actually yeah so i put in four discs and right i did that for for like two hours put them on a little spool i mean it was like it was like four little things four little interesting we we have to have that spool still with the old discs i i don't think we have have any discs left <laughs> so so but i think special, i got stuck with that actually you probably i have might it. have it somewhere i hope you don't have 150 left no there's like maybe <laughs> really 12 left but so the the idea with our first our first album was called ep exclamation point very original because we are very proud that we got something together and it's rough and raw, but it's fun. Yeah. And uh, a lot of Nick's know, dad helped us record it. Yeah, my dad, my dad who runs, he has his own little studio and he makes his own music, um, helped us immensely. So, dad, I know you're not listening, but thank you anyways. Thanks, John. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but so, what was special about these discs? So they they were blank white because they were just CDRs, just CDRs. Like we picked them up from like Best Buy or some something, and uh, we spent a few days um, playing this game that we we used to play all the time called the drawing game. Drawing. So 
the, when Nick and I were hanging out in the in the early days of the band, um, when we would play this game called the drawing game, where one of us would make a, a random shape, just like a blob shape. Any shape. Any really. shape, doesn't matter. Edges, sh- sharp edges or not. It could be round. Yeah. We got creative with those edges. We did. I can tell but the then story. After that shape is drawn, the other person has to take that shape and turn it into like a cartoon character or like something else. Uh, the, the, com- it, the common theme was uh, drawing birds. Well, birds are easy. The, the, here's the thing is that, that like when you draw shape, when, whenever we would draw shape, you. The shape needs to be really uh, ambiguous and like, I don't know, like agnostic of form. It needs to just be a form. So the the goal is to, as a creative person, to see in whatever weird form that is, something specific. (coughs) And 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 surprise the other person. Totally. So it's like if you draw this weird lump, lumpy round edge and it comes around to a different, lesser round. And if in your mind, you can see this, you can put together that you will add some lines to that and turn it into a moose with a cigar and a top hat. Like just from those lines. And then you do that. It's very fulfilling and fun and, and creative. And or the, the the thing is that any amorphous shape, if you put a triangle out the side of it, can turn into a bird. Yeah, that's the easy way out. That's the easy like way. Like if out. you can't think of anything, that's kind of like a pass. Totally. It's like pass. I drew a bird and it has a belly button. Yeah, and that's the fun part is you can kind of embellish any of the shapes you want, uh, but the bird was the easy. The bird was the easy. Uh, subject to create i love doing the half moon eyes so like uh-huh. do like a like almost a u shape but a little bit wide to where it looks like it's a really pretentious animal it's like they're closing their eyes to make a kiss yeah or that they're just over it they don't want to give you the time of the day yeah. that's how i like to yeah. see it okay. and sometimes you can add eyelashes onto it and just be like oh this is a this is a feminine character yeah Add a little. And then I yeah. love putting belly buttons on birds because birds don't have belly buttons. That's basic biology. It is. They don't. I don't know. Maybe they do. No. There's no way. I don't know. Do they? I don't, I don't know. Inside that egg, what are they doing? <clears throat> I'm pretty confident that they don't. No. Um, but I'm not a biologist, so don't. I, don't. You know. Please don't call me out. Side note. The fact that an egg, a bird egg, can feed the baby bird for as long as it does. From the yolk, right? It literally turns from a tasty, savory yolk <laughs> to to a fluffy little chick. It's kind of incredible that they, it doesn't need any other anything. It's locked inside the egg. Uh, crazy fact is that... The egg is perforated, so air goes in and out of the egg. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So I do. I did know, however, that on certain um, days of the year, you can balance an egg because of the uh, the, the tilt equinox of the Earth or whatever. I've heard that there was an equinox recently. There did was. You, did, I did not put an egg up, but when I was in junior high, I had a, a 
teacher that taught me that. I was skeptical. I have not seen it done because I don't know if that's how the world works. I, that, yeah. <laughs> that I mean, a, I'm literally, I'm regurgitating that from elementary school. Yeah, so it's I, possible that that's bullshit. Uh, I haven't looked into it for a while, but I have balanced an egg like that before. And I can't recall if it when, was on the Equinox. When was it? Dude, I don't know. Not Equinox? I just know that I've done it. I've also balanced two golf balls, on, like one on top of the other, because they have the divots. I, I can do the can thing when it's on its side. That's when pretty cool. When it's empty. I like that. Empty. Yeah, I like that. That's fun I enough. used to do those with, with Hawaiian punches. The can? In, in the cafeteria. Yeah. Anyways, um, so the drawing game, um, we would pass a paper... Um, and we draw a shape and the other person would draw a thing and pass it back. We would laugh. We'd laugh. We'd no, forever. no, no. We would not pass it back until we laugh. Yeah. And then the person who drew the form, the character, would then have to draw the next shape. Yep. Then we pass it back. Yep. So what we did is we took 200 albums. I think it was around 200 and we of these white albums. And we took each. We took half of them. And we just on, on these, you, you know... Thinking back on it, we could have planned better for the branding that went along with it. But we didn't plan anything because that's how we roll. Uh, so what we did is instead of planning for the branding of the band or the album name, which was EP exclamation point, uh, we just drew the shapes. Two shapes on either side of the disc. Two, not one. Two and shapes. We both took 100 discs. Yes. Drew two shapes on each Every single one of them. And then, pa- and then we passed yeah. our hundred to the other person. And then we spent a few days. Then we had to solve the problem <laughs> of, of the, the characters. Which, like, when you're doing the drawing game, part of the fun of it is you're usually hanging out at somebody's house. Uh, it's usually kind of late. Like, we're hanging out. just doing Or, our, like, at a cafe or something. Or in a cafe. You're, you're kind of burning some time. And the... Uh, there's there's plenty of margin for error because nothing matters. Not, it's on a paper. It's on a notebook. If you have to scribble and screw up or you do something stupid, it doesn't matter. But when you have 200 albums that we are selling and it becomes like there was a little bit of weight of seriousness around sketching the characters so spoiler alert there were a lot of birds a lot of bir- <laughs> there were a lot of birds uh, and there were also some very bizarre creatures that were trying to not be offensive. <laughs> it's really easy to like, you know, I, I don't know when the last time was that I played that, but it's easy to take one and turn it into something totally fucked I'll up. give an example. I drew a half star with an arrow coming out of one part of it because i was trying to throw nick off so it was like a star start think of a star but the top fifth point is an actual arrow blocky arrow nick i don't even remember what i turned it into a woman with a (laughs) curly fro wearing italian boots and the arrow Pointed to a baby coming out of her. She was her womb. I do remember that. She well, she was like very uh, 
actively birthing a, a <laughs> it was intense a, i think there was some child. some sweat on there, there it was sweat. it was amazing <laughs> i was imp- i was impressed because i was trying to throw you off i drew a ridiculous shape with hard edges right. hard points i didn't think you'd be able to do it i feel like but you might, surprised me we might have that somewhere <laughs> I, I like i feel like i don't know where that would be but i feel like that was one of the ones that we would have still right I don't know. I, I have no idea where that would be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't try looking for it. We've gone through so <laughs> many computers. Yeah, we've gone through a lot of computers. Anyways, he drew a pregnant woman with Italian boots on. The boots is what got me. Like the birthing was like hilarious, but the fact that you thought to put boots on her, Italian boots. They were. They weren't even like like knee high boots or like even half. Half well, boots. They gotta be. They're ankle. like short, pointy yeah, yeah, yeah. with a heel. Always. Those are the funnest ones to draw. Ankle, ankle. They're they're literally like ankle, heels, sharp point. Yeah. It was fun to draw those until we moved to Chicago, and then literally eighty percent of the douchebag business bros started wearing those like pointy toed dress shoes. Yeah. Which was like, it ruined the, the charm of it for yeah, me. I'm like, like uh... this is not funny anymore. And then Vice released the documentary on the pointy toed Mexican dancing Where shoes. Where they grabbed the, yeah, grab the super long the points and then And then I was back in the pointy toe business. <laughs> I was back. That's what brought you back. Uh, yeah. It's not the, like the dudes in Chicago just made me depressed. And then the Vice magazine won me back over. Anyways, so that's what we did with our EP first album exclamation point. Yeah, um, that was it. Was fun. We did a lot of stuff back then, like just like DIY type stuff that was just silly. We did like uh, one of our big shows when we played in Fort Collins at uh, Everyday Joe's. We actually um, we put out a flyer where Nick drew us as little stick people, where we were each holding a star. And we turned that into a. <laughs> I forgot about this. We turned that into a gimmick at our show, where we started the show with Farlands, which is on from Satellites. Mm-hmm. That was the first. That was one of the first times we ever played that song. And there was this whole intro, and we came up on stage, and we were each holding a literally a foam uh, tag board gold, gold star. It, it, they're red with oh, glitter no, on right, it. That's right. Red with glitter on it. But that's not all. We attached the stars to a fishing line and we attached those to the rafters in the venue. It had somebody, each person had a controller. Yeah. So we had two people off stage that were holding the fishing lines. And so we came on stage holding these stars and we held them out. And then we like released them and they flew off into the rafters. Mm-hmm. And then we started our was show. That, yeah, which was, it, the, but the point of that is like, we drew a ton. We were like the we were the paint shop pros, or or like paint, yeah. MS Paint pros. Like that's what I did when I was in college. Like I drew in paint, MS Paint, because it was hilarious. Because it was hilarious, but it was also like you could you could say so much, and the. the uh, when when people know it's in paint, they respect 
the quality a lot more. If this you say it's in Photoshop, they're like, well, is that it? Like, but it's like this was drawn in paint. Everything we did was drawn in paint. We did so many. Flyers. We had a t- we had a T-shirt. That, we did, that we did had the space man, a little yeah. du- a little dude with a smile holding hands with the spaceman, but and that was super our, derpy. Yeah, no neck. That Nobody was, has necks. No, back then <laughs> there was just like neckless creatures. Um, so we did the star. The star. I do remember the stars. What was that? Not the same. When was the show that we did the spaceships? That was a different show. That's crazy, dude. I we, can't believe that. That was when we came back. We lived in Chicago at the time. No, no, that's not true. That's not true. When we went back, we lived here. That's true. We did. So, the, I don't think we did. That was our last show before we left to Chicago. Because I remember when, when I painted and built those rocket ships. You did a great job. On my mom's driveway. You did a great job. So that was our last show before leaving. And... um. We built again the tag board. Got to have the tag board. We built these these tag board rocket ships that covered. They're basically as big as our like torso. Then that's it. Yeah. And that's it. And there's a hole cut out where the window would be in, in like a like a cheesy cartoon rocket ship. Yeah. Right. Like a '60s era rocket ship. Like yeah. A rocket so like so yeah, it's like a, got a point and then like a I don't know the fins on the side and then like a hole in the middle which is the window with like rivets around the hole. Uh-huh. I remember fucking making those. And, and, and I think we had the black light too. So it was all fluorescent paint. So mm-hmm. they were kind of glow in the dark a little bit. And uh, we came out to this epic, like dumb music that we made. It was, it was good. It, no, it was totally good. It was good. great. Uh, but yeah. like we, we did the fog machine towards like super foggy on the, on the fog stage. Machine is a must. And we came out. There were two handles on the back of the rocket ship, and so we would hold those and put our face in the hole. And then act like we were flying. And act like in. we're flying yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. And then we landed <laughs> in the rocket ships and then stepped out of the rocket ships, and then we were there for as if we had push. arrived. We, you know what's crazy <laughs> is like our music wasn't great. Our music was not, we, did, we literally did not understand. At, even at that point, didn't understand quite how to make shows. We didn't know how to translate the, sh- the music to the show yet. <coughs> we also know how to mix music. Well, but, but, but mixing is, is so subjective that it shows, like think about how many people mix at, at venues. Yeah. Like you can mix your whole shit and then like the sound guy's responsible for your mix. Well, no, well, no, that's not how it works. When you mix all in your computer, you mix your all mix and the sound guy's responsible for the volume of your computer. <laughs> and that's it. And then your synths are like a side note. So if they if they know your volume your mix sucks on your computer, they'll pull it way down, which kills all the bass and all the fun deep stuff but then you're stuck with your crappy synthesizers and really really scrappy vocals yeah exactly so we're just which didn't really happen that much i think uh who what was the name of the dude at everyday joe's tyler yeah tyler tyler who's thank you you're probably not listening but we appreciate you uh he was our sound guy for several shows we played a lot at that venue we did and it's like a coffee shop in fort collins colorado you can check it out Super chill, uh, 
It's great. It's fine. It's great. Um, Tyler's great. He's a drummer as well, and he's, I believe, and he's dope. Uh, but but the key the key element in all that 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 really uh, kind of is a testament to the ha- the hard work we did is that me the music the where you're at in your musical journey does not hinder your success when playing live shows. It's that it's the heart that the enthusiasm and the willingness to do whatever you think is right. And like, we were really unabashedly creative back then. Like we would do what we really felt was like expressing our creative side, our creative uh, music, the music we were releasing. Like we had just written rocket ships yeah, but I absolutely. I can't, I don't know, but I'm assuming <laughs> we wouldn't do spaceships without rocket ships being a part of it. Yeah. I assume, uh, and which was before we released that album, uh, the 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 fog machine. Like we've all we've we've all seen fog machines. And it's like we had we had one a huge one back then, and it's like, of course. We will need this, <laughs> you know. And the glow we, in the dark thing was we were just or, getting into that. Well, in black lights, we had the black. You guys I, still have that black? I, I black think we light? we even we even handed out bandanas during that show with glow in the dark paint, we so did. that people could participate in the black light. We did, we did do that, and the, but but again, like the music is only a fraction of the experience. And the people that liked what we were doing or the people that liked us and how we were expressing ourselves weren't there solely for the music. They were there for the experience. And like, that's how young, I will say young musicians, I guess, get by is that young is in like fresh. Yeah. Like if you start a new project now and you're 50 years old, you're a fresh musician in that project. Yeah. So you can do this. You can do whatever you want. And literally you can do whatever you want anytime. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but, uh, the more interesting shit you do, I feel like to us, the way we did it, it's like the, the more you're expressing who you are, not what you wrote. Yeah. What you wrote is static. Once you've written it, unless you're changing it every time, it is, that is it. Yeah. We can change it up, but that's still it, you yeah. know? And but, so like how we, how we, how we twist our experience for everyone gives us the, gave us the, a little bit of an edge to, to have something special. That's like us flying in, in, in spaceships yeah. individually. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's not just, it's not just that we're sharing our music with people. It's like, we're sharing ourselves. Yes. It's, we're sharing our personalities by like, look at all the, <coughs> look at all the dumb work we put into this. We made fucking cardboard rocket ships, but it was, but it wasn't dumb. Acting, and no, but I, I know it's simple. It's simple. Yeah, yeah. And it's like sort of, well, it, it's, it's like DIY, like ragtag, whatever. And, there, there's some, there's some heart in that because we put the work in to do something, even though it's just fucking craft supplies or something. We, we did something special to create an experience for people. 
that complements the music. So even if you're not there for the music, you're still there to watch as all this stuff is happening. That's not normal. You're right. I will say this, that we've, we've often had at our shows, people come to the windows of the venue we're at and look in. And even at Everyday Joe's, this happened a couple times, but in, in Chicago, maybe a couple times, but here in Portland, several times where somebody comes to the window or hears us from outside, they look in and whatever the fuck is happening is beyond what they expected to see. Because we, we have our custom light shows based on our songs uh, that we've developed. We have, we have like a very developed sound for two people. And like if, you're, if your visuals demand focus, then you will get someone to focus on it. Even if it's four people outside on the street. Outside of a public venue down in downtown Portland at like Backspace, which is gone now, but where it's all windows at the front, it's like you're doing something bizarre. It's like that's the type of shit that people look, they stop and look in because they don't understand. And people, here's the thing about music, man. It's like everybody's in a fucking band. And I'm not trying to harp on anybody in particular, but we all kind of suck. It's all like boring as fuck. And when your when your coworkers are like, "Come see my band, man," that is exactly the invite I want to ignore. But you can't because you love your your community. So you go, and in your heart, you know you're gonna just grin and bear it. But there's those special moments. When that one person who invited you and you know they're going to be a jam band that's just playing fish knockoffs surprises you with something completely unexpected. And that's when if you're not if you haven't made it big, which I don't think you probably have if you're listening to this, uh, (laughs) your your experience for your listeners is more important than the music you're playing because like you've, you have to surprise and delight everyone, even the people who came knowing who you are. That's why this rocket ships were so special. How many times did we do that rocket ships? Once. Once we did an entire show. We built seven foot, let's say six and a half foot tall. Let's say six foot tall. They were, I don't even think they were that tall, but six foot tall, cut out rocket ships they're about four that were tall. painted they were painted with holes in them and we had the fog machine it's like we created a single use experience we did the bandanas with reflective paint on them for a single use experience that we gave out for free in portland we oh no i'm sorry it well in portland we did another bandana show but then when we went back to colorado from here for one show we recorded a 3D video of us. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> we record for one show because we were going back to Colorado for our first show back at our hometown. We recorded with 3D camera a 3D show of us in costumes in ro- you want to let's clarify 3D as in red and blue. Yeah. 
glasses yes. 3D. The, the classic 3D. We're not talking about freaking IMAX 3D, okay? <laughs> but so the basic 3D, basic bitch 3D, we recorded a, a video of me and Trey. Trey dressed as a 3D, because we shot it in 3D, dinosaur in a dinosaur kegurumi onesie. With, with that we customized with LED lights down his back spikes and then the eyes and the eyes and then me in a uh, 3D only because we shot it in 3D uh, robot with lo- LED lights in all of these robot spots. So we literally play because we know we ha- we plan our sets beforehand. We played the whole set and we so we we played the whole set on on our audio. With nothing on it because we just heard the backtrack, but then we kind of danced to it in my old apartment. I can't believe we did that. And, and then, not, not only that, we had a we had a backdrop of a city. That's we w- literally tr- was that in the video. That, that I think I that think was it, in was. The video. it was. It was yeah. up. It was up in my. TV we were standing stand in front of it. In front of my. But no. we traced the the uh, skyline of. Portland, because that's we were living here at the time. We traced the skyline, and we created this cardboard cutout of buildings with like we cut out the windows, and then we put like white paper over the windows with LEDs behind them to where the 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 windows were backlit by like a soft glow. So we had city background, a robot. And a, a dinosaur, dinosaur, which was like kind of like a Godzilla theme. Yeah. Like we, we were big monsters in the city. Yeah. And and so we took we took the video. We took the. I don't know if we took the backdrop. We we played a Halloween show here with the backdrop. That was the worst show. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get, get to that. that. That was the worst show we've ever played. <laughs> we'll get. We'll, but we'll get. To we that. took the three D video and we took our. We didn't even take our costumes. We just took the video to yeah. Colorado yeah. And to play a, re, a, welcome, a reunion, welcome home, or something show. Yeah. Well, it was it was us coming back. All, basically, all the people that came to our shows when we lived there. All the pals. Yeah. Yeah. So it was fun, but we played that at on on a projection that that kind of aligned to our set because our set was pre planned through Ableton, so we could loosely the problem is that d the every dvd player kind of plays different speeds yeah which i didn't really know about so it was it was a little off but basically the video synced to what we were playing and we were dancing to the the speed of the tracks of which we were playing live which is very fun in a 3d video but we also had a a whole case of like a thousand 3d glasses that we got for free so we just gave out to everybody, and that was part of the entrance into the show. Yeah. So we gave all of those 3D glasses away. No, we gave like 20 of them away. <laughs> no, we, there we, was more than dude, 20. We still people. have a whole case of that left. I think that there was like, I, with that show probably had, I think it was right or just under 100 people Yeah, at that place. Not 20. Still, we had so many 3D glasses, and we... We either still have those, or we got so sad that we still have those that we got rid of them. I think but we I, I, rec- I recommended we got rid of them, but uh, we got this whole case of 3D glasses from a, f- a pal of ours in Colorado that 
for some reason, hooked us up with, like, 5,000 3D glasses for no fucking reason. They just had them. Just <laughs> and like, now, hey, well, here's this those. box of, of, of so many 3D glasses, you're going to hate that you have these in 10 years. <laughs> and here we are. Here I we think are. we still have them, too. Um, Anyways, yeah. um, so that was that. But, but, but the, the, the important part of that is, like, make every ex- every experience for your for your f- it, they don't have to be fans like every experience for your for anybody there when you're playing a show special even if it's one off like the the effort that we put into all those shows was valuable because those people remember those shows even if our reunion Colorado show going back there to play was only our friends and like they brought like 10 people that we didn't know. That's 90 people and 10 of those people have never seen us that remember the bizarre eccentric experience that they got to be a part of. Yeah. Like that's, that's more special than seeing a band that you love play the same music that you've always heard. Then they play it perfectly and they're staying up there all dope and then they're done. It's like, that's seeing them live. For some reason we give that value, but that's not, if it's playing the album perfectly and them kind of moving, it's like, what are you paying to see? You're paying to see the, the kind of faux celebrity that they've acquired. Yeah. And I mean, if they're not giving you third, three glasses, and having a cheesy ass 3D video behind them, I don't know if I can take them seriously anymore. If we can do it, I literally anybody can do it. I think I still have that 3D camera somewhere. We have to. Nowadays, though, I realize you could just instead of using a 3D camera, a really crappy 3D camera, you could use two decent cameras, and then use those to create the 3D image. And it would look a lot better. That's actually a point that I wanted to make is that even though like we were doing that kind of stuff just to kind of get people engaged with our, with our music and our performance, I feel like that also challenged us to do something special and to learn how to do something in a limited amount of time. And I feel like we still use that skill today where it's like, we have to do this thing now. And it's like, let's make it special. Yeah. And we collaborate and, and come up with some crazy idea. We, I mean, we've done that several times since we've moved here. Um, it's, yeah. it, 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 it challenges us to flex our creative muscles to, create something or or, or to to finish a project finish a project that has a goal that accomplishes something you know what i mean and no matter even if it's just like making tagboard rocket ships for this little intro that we wrote that's just a launching off point (laughs) (laughs) see what it did uh 
But you know what I mean? Like, it, it sort of... Those are very basic skills where it's like, we have a thing we need to do. We need to make it an experience. And that has actually influenced both of our careers in a way where Absolutely. it's like, we have a deadline and it has to be good and it has to be unique. And so like that, that was sort of, that was sort of like a simple way to like use our creativity to, um, elaborate on something that we already know, something that we already want to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the, the idea of like, a, what's crazy is that uh, a garage band, we'll call this a garage band back then. The garage band mentality is like, we play to have fun. You play to make music. You play to, to play. That's it. And then, and then you play shows to, to see what, how far, see if you're, see what you can do, you know? <clears throat> um, but there's a, there's an element of that type of creative play. Like, and this is a, this is a, fucking message for anybody who needs inspiration and needs to find an outlet is that when you have an outlet for creative play of any kind you quickly realize that within that creative play there is there are career there are elements and there are uh, time management there is event coordination there is collaboration collaboration there's production there all the things that are real life your creative play is just fucking you doing a career for free like literally that is what that is what a pastime is oh i love to golf there are professional golfers you could do that professionally if you fucking wanted to <laughs> who the fuck wants to whatever uh but like our thing is like all that all that shit like organizing and then planning and then production on this concept and then delivering and then and then traveling to do it it's all part of the it's all part of the the real career side of creative play creative play is a way for you to do stuff with no with no kind of, uh, there's no re- negative ramifications from you sucking. You create your own structure with creative play. Like there's no, like with with the stuff that we were doing, there's no like deliverable. It's sure. like we made up a deliverable and we're like, cool, we have a goal and let's do it. And so, but the consequences of of creative play when you when you put yourself out there too much, like like from bands, bands is a great playing music is a great example because wherever you play, they're having you play so they can make money. That's it. Like if they think you can bring thirty people, they're like, cool, thirty people will buy drinks from you, and then you'll have three support acts, which will bring thirty people each. That's one hundred twenty people times two drinks. Five bucks a pop. Cool. You know, it's like 120 times. I don't know what the math is on that is. 240 times five. Yeah. It's like a thousand, 1250, with something like that. But it's like, it's, it's enough. They, they are making decisions based on the professional career side. Yeah. 
And that, and when you take your creative play and share it with people, you start to, there are consequences that, or uh, not even consequences that you have, um, responsibilities. There is no, the consequences are nil. Like you sucked. You're not going to get booked there. I don't care because that was a part of my creative play or you played, nobody showed up. The venue doesn't like you anymore. Doesn't matter because I was just there to to see how it went. Like that, that the consequences are kind of uh, fluid in how they affect you. But the but the uh, the responsibility is there, and we saw the responsibility of playing live because we've been playing live together for so long. Before we even played live, when we went back with Ro- or when we played the Rocket Ship show, we'd been playing live in front of thousands of people, a part of a church, and we understand the impact it can have, and we don't want our shows to be like that. We don't want to be like that, but we want our shows to be special in a way that only we can share. So the responsibility of ours is to bring something to that show that is powerful and accessible and us. Yeah. And that is, we will be the goofiest people. We will, we will make everyone else feel comfortable being themselves because look at us here. Here we are. We're the biggest assholes in the room. Exactly. (laughs) And that's, that's the power of, of, any sort of uh, attention-grabbing expression. Yeah. It's like, and that, that was the goal back then, is to for us to be so outrageously silly that nobody should feel silly. And it worked. Like, there was a lot of shows that we played where people got really into it because we were just outrageously dumb on stage. And yeah. being having gimmicks and, and playing... We had an exercise routine. Do you remember <laughs> uh, that? Uh, we hadn't integrated into our show. We wrote a whole song <laughs> that sounded like '80s, like yeah, I forgot about aerobic that. song, and we would have people do jumping jacks and and do running in place. And we like, also we also had another song. This was part of our shtick: is like we we write music that we really care about, but playing music in that way is just not that compelling for small groups like us. So instead of playing those songs, all of our songs so heartfelt that we cry, if we were crying on stage the whole time, because it's so heartfelt that literally wouldn't make a difference. We'd still suck. And it's not because we suck. We did probably suck, but it's that the, the, the way in which we present the whole show sucks that sucks if you do that you cry the whole time look how heartfelt i am it's like people don't like the awkward situation of somebody crying and they really don't like it when your music isn't that great (laughs) it's like like, like, that's awkward times too so instead we make our music fun our music was not that it was not terrible it was just youthful yes we were we were in the music production in industry or or niche realm. realm we were youthful 
So we really didn't understand a lot of things. But so instead of trying to make it matter, we made it really not matter. And that's and that's like a magical moment. And I was talking to people on that NASA this NASA event. It's like the goal of making content in public of any kind is to make everyone understand that you are okay being the asshole. If I'm the asshole, then you're not. And you don't feel like an idiot standing and watching or participating because trust me, I'm not going to make you the asshole. Yeah. I've already made myself. I've de- I've dubbed myself the prince, the the sir asshole of this whole experience. <laughs> and and that that's a special moment for people psychologically because they realize I'm here. Everybody understands who the goofball is, and we all get to enjoy ourselves without feeling like is this fucking goofy. It's like, it is goofy, and that's okay. But it's not as goofy as them. It's not as goofy as the dudes on stage, which is me and Trey. So, uh, like, I think that that's, that's why all that stuff matters. Like, that's why it's so powerful that the, the rocket ships inf- reinforce that, you know? All of that reinforces it. Yeah. <clears throat> so, real quick, since we said we'd talk about it, the, uh, the worst show. When the we, worst we actually show of all time. So we made flyers with a dinosaur and a robot. The, the silhouettes. Let me describe it in detail. There we were. The Because the, I designed it. So I'm going to describe it. A lot it. of our <laughs> ideas for the shows come from the flyers that Nick designs. Like we literally just go with that. But, but those are usually inspired by the things we talk about. Just like this moment here while we're talking. We talk about things. The tangents lead us to special concepts and then we were like cool that we should totally do that <clears throat> so so we designed this flyer there we were backdrop of portland oregon but the color the haze it looked like it was a blaze that wasn't supposed to rhyme but it did and i appreciate it you should write that down <laughs> and then so uh silhouettes in front of this this fiery looking portland downtown uh skyline is this giant robot and this giant like dinosaur but it looked like the dinosaur from like uh the rugrats it was like, it looked, a, it was like a knockoff godzilla no it was the it was reptar the reptar it looked like a reptar it was pretty much reptar <laughs> Which with is, glowing eyes yeah, though uh, well, that's key. Okay. we had to add the elements that we knew we had because we designed that when we knew what we wanted that was the concept was there and then when i we, think we literally did the costumes from that flyer but but i think we did the flyer. The idea for the flyer was like we could do this as costumes, and so that's why we, we literally made, went on Amazon, why, found exactly what we needed. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> so that flyer was dope. Uh, we posted posters all over with that. We, we in Portland, we had the flyers. We did this. We went to the show. I don't remember who played with us, but oh, yeah. with <clears throat> some of the cool. Aside from the show being terrible. We planned a Michael Jackson medley. No, no, no. We, it wasn't a Michael Jackson medley. It was a uh, Halloween. Halloween. It was medley. a Halloween medley with like Thriller, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. We did another thing. I think we did another thing. We did do another thing. What was it? I don't remember. But what's the spook- what's so the spooky we, song? Uh, wasn't the Flying Purple People Eater? Wasn't Monster Mash? 
No. As some of the songs. Maybe it was just those two. It I don't know. Been. It could have been, yeah. But so we go to the show. We have, at the show, we bring our LED lit, custom built costumes that look dope. Like when you have battery powered LEDs on a costume uh, and you take it out in public, people are always surprised because it is a costume plus one. You've up, you've leveled up just a little bit. And so we go to the show, we get all of our shit set up. We have all of our gear. We have everything set well ready. And of course, this is around the point in, I bet you this was 2011, maybe. Yeah. Or I bet you it was 2011 or 10. It wasn't 2010. Been. I think it was 2011. Yeah. We, we, had, we had to establish ourselves a little bit. But this was right about the point where we were tr- really trying to explore what playing a live show means for a dance pop band that has two people. And so we had experimented. Our early years were all in Ableton. But we played our shows by playing we opening one track at a time because we were writing the tracks. Then we'd open that track, play it, and then track would end. We'd open the next track, which is, in hindsight, fucking crazy. Like, here's the problem, is that the community in the music industry of, of electronic music does not share with young people that well. Trying to find resources for live shows is really difficult, especially in 2010 or 2007. And so, like, we really didn't know what we were doing. And so our computer crashed just a little bit. A little bit? Just a little bit in Ableton. In Ableton, it crashed just a little bit. But back then, we'd get that nice, beautiful sound when it crashed. It'd it'd do something like, bonk, bonk. So the whole show, over the loudspeakers, would shut down. With that sound. The music would stop. Music would stop. The music's playing. Epic, beautiful sounds. Then, bunk. And then the whole, it would stop. (laughs) And so at this show, what we did, this was, I remember it very vividly because it is burned in my memory as a nightmare, a living nightmare. Uh, My worst fears realized in real life. We decided that instead of playing in Ableton, we were going to bounce those tracks Tracks are just simple waveforms. Easy, right? Wrong. We threw those tracks. We only had 10. How many tracks did we play? 10, 12? Yeah. 12 songs. 10 songs. We threw the waveforms into Logic, thinking we'll just play Logic. We didn't even have our custom lights or anything at that point. We'll play Logic from, uh, from the beginning and we'll line up the tracks. They'll play all the way through. It's golden where we should be totally fucking golden let me tell you what happened it was not golden instead what happens we're standing up on stage and oh in the, and, wait wait and there was a there was a bee costume too not i'm sorry not a bumblebee there was a backup costume that we had that we were set to reveal during the show so we're up there dressed as as uh, I was a robot, Trey was a dinosaur with all we had all the lights, and underneath those costumes was a fucking other costume. And we're up there, logic, since we're playing our show, only 10 waveforms, it decides to crash every, it was probably every 45 seconds. It was, it was probably like four or five times every song. Every, no, it, it started out all right. 
And then it got worse and worse. And when you're the one that set up the show, when you're the one whose computer is on stage, when it's me, it was me. Uh, and I, I, there's, there's a, a, a boiling point within myself that I was wearing this stupid, everything became so fucking dumb. We're wearing these costumes. I'm wearing this stupid fucking robot costume. Eventually, I tore off the hat, the helmet, the head beast. And then we're supposed to shed our skin and then tear off our costumes. And we have skeleton costumes underneath. With the black light. With the black light. So it's like we have these black light skeleton costumes. But the, the error in the show probably took five years off my life. Like that, when the minute, and we had like, there were some people there too. Yeah. And not only were there people there, they were actually having fun with us. Yeah. So it's like, you've now garnered interest and we are letting them down. We're not delivering. Constantly. Yeah. Like, like I don't know why 10, 10 audio files, not, not playing all at once. We had them. Like, literally, it was like one backtrack, then the next backtrack. It wasn't layered. Logic just couldn't handle it. Apple Logic, I'm calling out to you. I don't know why that would happen, but fuck that shit. You ruined my fucking life, and now I have ulcers. We, we can't bash Apple, though, because our, sol- our solution to that problem, remember, we <laughs> there's a period of a few months where we would play shows literally from an iPod. That's true. Because but we didn't trust our computer. We, we, after that, we literally stopped playing on Logic or Ableton. We ex- because we didn't have anything synced to our shows, we exported as straight-up wave files and threw them on an iPod. And that, and that iPod was dedicated, I will say, to our shows. We never used it for anything else. I still have it. If you want to buy a scratched-up iPod, not an iPhone, I've got it. Just the pod. 50 bucks. Hit me up. Um, but that worked. But that but that was the first that taste was, of reliable shows that we had had for. I know. There are some. <laughs> we played some successful shows with that, and nobody knew any different. I mean, you just you literally had that velcroed to your synthesizer, and it was plugged in to a D, DI. And yeah, that's we it. We just did an eighth inch to quarter inch to DI, and it was totally fine. But and then. We we got real and we figured out how to actually use Ableton for a live set, and that's that's when the lights and everything came into play. Yeah, the key to Ableton was using a custom MIDI controlled light show, and that's when we that's when we got serious. We we were about to go back to Logic when we got the light sh- when we wanted to do the light show. We almost went back to Logic, and Logic couldn't even handle sending the MIDI signals to. Chavez light program it was crashing with no music it couldn't even play one mini note one think about that logic playing one mini note doing an internal mini routing to another program it's basically just playing a mini plug it's playing like a zero 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 one and that's it it's playing one data point channel one channel one note and it crashed and it's like, what the fuck is it? You know, I will say that we are using Logic all the time to record. It's great. Logic's great to record and produce. produce. 
but fuck, dude. You couldn't, you literally, we're not even at a show and you can't play one note. It's like, fuck. <laughs> Logic has stage fright. Like nobody's, you mention a show around Logic and it'll overload. Delete all your it'll, files. It'll overload everything and everything will be gone. So don't do that. Um, so Ableton is our software of choice but for that, live. But that live being sets. said, if anybody's listening that is a music producer, which I hope some of you are, uh, I know some. we have some pals and friends and fans, but um, if Apple came out with an integrated OS X performance application, which should be part of Logic, no doi, but if they did, it would probably do well because Logic is a piece of shit when it comes to live performance. So think about that. Maybe if you work at Apple, hit up your friends. Uh, we'd appreciate that. But there's for main the main stage, <clears throat> which we do use. But that's part of the Ableton. It's part of Logic. Main no, no, stage. no. Main stage is an extension. Oh, no. You're, no, 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 no. you're right. You're right. But it, it doesn't do what we need it to do what well, uh, for for yeah. backtrack stuff it Able, does it, no. it, it does very well for live soft synth stuff that's which is a, what i use it for that's a mobile plugin pl- application you want to load your sound designer on the go main stage it's like it is a mobile application for running uh vsts and plugins and and plugin dri- or, or like like uh synthesis synthesis yeah. So, which is great, but the clarity of running uh, backtracks is terrible. Yeah. That's that's what... We are in a, a very narrow niche market that we understand the type of music we play. We unabashedly play it with joy and energy and enthusiasm, but... Aside from Ableton, we have and iPod and DJ iPod, we have not found anybody who understands how that works. I will say this: Glitch Mob is a, is uh, great. We know a couple of them. They're great dudes. They're super creative and talented. They play the same way we do. They set up the show. They control their synths through through their big blade. I think that's what they call it. Yeah. Um, and it's controlled through iPads and it's run through, I believe it's through Ableton. But uh, there are dudes playing synthesis over a track, the, over over their bass track, which they can uh, manipulate, which is cool. So uh, it's working. There are guys like us. That is like us. Yeah. We don't even have to, we don't even need that much. They need a lot more than we do. So... <laughs> Whatever. They're a lot um, smarter than we are, too, though. They are smarter, more talented, and... Uh, more, you, 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 stop listening to this. Hit, hit stop right now and go listen to them. Uh, Justin from Glitch Mob did a thing with Ram Dass. It's very dope that me and Trey were talking it's about like last week. It's a guided week. meditation Guided track. meditation. It's really cool. Um, you can find that on his SoundCloud, and it's really epic. It, well, it's, it's a Ram Dass guided meditation called imagine and he did a bunch of really uh rad like soundscapey type uh ambient music over it and it's really inspiring and cool um but you should check that out because it's very cool yeah and ram ram das if you don't know he was part of uh 
writing that book called Be Here Now, which I'm actually literally right wearing. Oh my god, I'm wearing one. I'm too. wearing my a gray shirt that says Be Here Now on the front of it, and Trey is wearing his his su- support reward shirt yeah. of supporting that out that Justin Beretta. Well, they're they're part of a they're part of a larger organization totally. called but, Propeller. Yeah, which so I, I I threw them some. Some cash. And yeah, and so he got this dope shirt with like sacred geometry stuff on the front, and on the back says "Be Here Now." So me and Trey are literally both believe- wearing "Be Here Now" shirts. The concept of the whole thing is really powerful. If you don't know about it, look him up. Ram Das R A M D A S S S Two S's. Two S's. And uh, very inspirational dude. The key is, if you're listening and you enjoy your life, we salute you. But there's more. There's more to life. And if you're having a hard time with your life, we're here for you. Uh, the key to life is to being present. Letting yourself be in the moment and taking every moment as a special experience of its own. Um, Which I guess like, is kind of the theme. Exp- exp- making every moment special. Special. That is a theme. That's the theme of the show. Today's episode is sponsored by Ron Doss. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, like it's it it might feel goofy to go to ice cream with your kids or something, but if but and normal. It's so normal. That's 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 normal is what will ruin humanity. Is the idea that things are typical. The typical and mundane. That's what poisons our culture. And if and if we can see those moments as not mundane, as not as it might be normal for you, but experience them as special moments with those people you're with, with those if they're kids, those little tiny humans, it's like turn it into that moment where you are present. It is special, it is an event. There's there's nothing normal about our situation right now we are on a rock that is in a very specific habitable range of possibility rocketing through space around a fucking ball of gas and flame that's going to explode someday but not now there's nothing normal about this so anything that we do, any moment that we experience, anything that we encounter in our lives isn't normal or mundane. It's all special. And every moment that we get to be alive, every moment that we get to experience the excitement of being here, we should not take for granted. And we should try to make it as worthwhile as possible at all times, as much as we can. Because otherwise, what's the fucking point? That's the point. Stop thinking about life as what you see it as and start seeing it as it really is. And this experience that we're all a part of, we're all flying through the universe together within, this is special. It's a fucking miracle. That we're even here. Yeah. So. 
maybe pass on that positive, miraculous, special moment to somebody else you know. And then, like, enjoy the moments that you are now conscious of. Even for the next 10 minutes. Because everything that happens in life pulls you, sucks you back into the mundane. It tricks you into thinking that this is just a a routine. But if you treat it as something that is not routine, routine is boring. Treat your mornings as a ritual, a sacred ritual where you get to. You don't have to. You don't choose to. Maybe you choose to. But you get to experience your coffee, your newspaper, your your uh, run, your climb. I climb all the time. And so it's like treat those as a sacred moment within the universe and then go meet these other life forms that are around you that happen to have the one in a trillion chance of being in existence at the same moment. You're there together to perform to express whatever at your job. It's like that those moments can be sacred. Don't treat them like they're not. Take your fucking rocket ships to work, your cardboard cutouts, and treat it like it's something worth celebrating. Treat your your freaking kids like you have little bandanas that glow in the fucking black light. Maybe get a black light just so you can do this. And treat those moments as special because we shouldn't be alive at the same time. We sh- maybe shouldn't even be alive at all. and But we are, and that's special. And so maybe if you're playing music, make your show special. Do something. Do a backflip. Do a cartwheel. Say something you care about. Just be you and make it special. And that is being in the moment because you're unafraid to be you. Yes. Good luck. And that's it. So we're going to wrap up here. Uh, the whole thing went a whole, a whole direction. And we appreciate you listening. Thanks for taking a trip down memory lane with us. Memory lane. Memory lane. <laughs> we took a trip. We were a couple of boobs. Yeah. Just a couple boobs living life in the city. Um, I we forgot re- about a lot of that stuff. So yeah. I'm glad it, was really, it. it was really fun. Uh, we appreciate you listening. This is... Uh, off the record with Nick and Trey. Every week we're posting on Friday mornings. If you have any questions or comments or want to be a part of the show, just reach out. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Nick. My Twitter handle is at Nick Wichman, N-I-C-K-W-I-C-H-M-A-N. And you can reach out to Trey at on Instagram at T-R-E-Y. H-T-A-T-U-M. H-T-A-T-U-M. Trey H. Tatum. Uh, We appreciate you, and we like you, and we love you. Have a good now. Have a good now. So heady, dude. Bye. This is off the record, right?